key to success? A, be honest and, and treat them right. They'll come back. Some people want service. People want to be taken care of. They ask for your opinion. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, the podcast by successful small business owners for business owners like you, so you can grow a strong and profitable business by using something you learned on this podcast today. Our guests are George and Louis Clarou of Clarou Tire Company, and they're going to guide us on how to handle responsibility, persistence, and why taking a risk is a good thing. But before we get into this wine-raging conversation, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Financial. Arrive Financial and Insurance Services. Hello. Thank you, thank thank you. you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And we are in their office here in the Haberfelt building. And so if you hear a fire truck go by, that will be very surprising because we're doing this on a holiday. Uh, <laughs> but, but we are downtown. That's right. So we may hear some stuff. Never a dull moment downtown. That's for sure. Now, you guys have been in business for 13, 13 years. 13 years. And how many employees do you we have about 40 independent contractors. So we don't technically have employees. Everybody's an independent contractor. Nice, nice. And so that goes through. And how is, it, how is working with an independent contractor different than somebody who's W-2? Well, normally when you're W-2, you got to have workers' comp. you got to have all kinds of insurance, insurance. a bunch of other. Clock in, clock out. Yeah. This is where it's great to work with people that are motivated, are driven, that are talented in their own um, right, that they want to just learn, um, have a mentor, have a leader that can kind of create their own. We tell everybody they're their own CEO. Mm. You know, we're, we're just there to hold their hand. As a business owner, you are a visioneer. And you are ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than your mainstream competition. But what about your message? If your clients and customers don't clearly understand what you can do for them, you are leaving money on the table. If you confuse, you lose. Here at Small Business Celebration, we have a seven-step solution that can clarify your message and put you in the game. Don't leave money on the table. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule an introduction today. Welcome, Visioneers. I'm Michael Roberts here with the Small Business Celebration podcast. And our guest today is George and Louis Clarou here at Clarou Tire. And if you hear some sounds in the background, it's because we're here in their office, in their family-owned office, and their family-owned business that's been in business for 70 years. Excuse me, 77 years. Having that kind of success has gained them several awards, including the Best of Bakersfield 2016, 2017, probably 2018 as well. And I just want to welcome both of you to the show. Welcome. Thank well, you. Thank you very much. First of all, how many employees do you generally currently have? 
we have 13 right now, and we'd probably just stay with 13. And I've been pretty lucky because I don't go through employees. I, I don't have any turnover. Oh, really? How's that? Because I pay them too much, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I take care of them. And how's that? Well, my oh, dad always... Medical and you know, good wages. Benefits, wages, over all the overtime they want to work. I mean, I learned a long time from my dad. You know, He always said, you know, united you stand, divided you fall. So take care of your employees, they'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. So I, Louie and I make a, a conscious effort to really take care of our employees. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that we're all in it together. And I, and I tell them all the time, hey... If this doesn't work or we don't we lose a customer it, at the end of the year it all comes back to bite us. So we're all in this together. So mm-hmm. you treat it like a family and, and like any family you have problems sure. and you have arguments. <laughs> but uh I learned a long time well. we get along I mean, my employees and all everybody gets along really well and I've been very lucky in that respect. But you gotta take care of your employees, um because that's who represents you. Right, right. Their name's not on a building, right? But mine is. So right. if something goes wrong, I'm the one at the end of the day is responsible for it. So it's just if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of you, and then it just saves you money in the long run. Yeah. And it just retraining, and if we <laughs> want to train them our way, and it's just easier to keep them. This particular location is not exactly on the beaten path. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> you have to want to come here. Correct. How did this location become the home of Clearwood Tire? Well, originally started on 17th and K, right next to the Haberfield building, and that my uncle started it. And that building, that, that started in 1942, and then after the um, 52 earthquake, it took a beating and they had to tear it down. So sure. they moved to 24th and O. And they were there till 63 when they built the Crosstown Freeway, because that was right where the Crosstown Freeway was. So. Right. My father and my uncle, they liked the, these bass restaurants, and they did a lot of their business out of here, and, and so did everybody else in these, around these parts, all the farmers and stuff. So this lot came available, and they, in 1963, they bought this lot, and we've been here ever since. For full disclosure, for visioneers who've been listening to this podcast, you may remember a previous episode with Rod, Rod and Cindy Crawford, who opened, happened to own the Pyrenees Cafe literally right across the street here from Clarou Tire. And after the interview was over, I asked them who they would recommend. And the first person off the top of their head was George and Louie. And they say, you got to interview these gentlemen. And they've got quite a story to tell. So here we are. Well, you know, you'd be surprised how many, you know, because of these bass restaurants, I always tell Jenny at Wool Growers or Linda at Noriega, hey, if you guys moved, I'm moving right next to you. So you, <laughs> you better buy a bigger lot because uh, we're all in this together. A lot of, lot of businessmen lunch, or a lot of people just like dropping their cars off here and uh, go have breakfast, go to lunch. the Bass restaurants, Luigi's. Uh, so uh, Old Town Current definitely has its advantages. Right. Because um, we're not on the beaten path. But I don't have to compete against all those guys on Rosedale and Ming Avenue and all that stuff because... We've got our clientele base. I've got a good, great customer base. And uh, and how did you earn that customer base? Hard work. Hard work <laughs> and time. I mean, yeah. uh, referrals, word of mouth. I mean, that's been our that's been our key to our success. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want my customers to come back. Mm. I'm not the kind of guy that sells them once and there's someone else to replace them. Mm. I don't oversell. I don't upsell. I'm honest. Both Louie and I, that's that's our goal. And we learned that from our fathers and uncles. And yeah, just we want them to come back. I want them to come experience. back. 
because right there again, my name's on the building, mm. and I take that personally. We both do. So, you know, if I if someone's upset, it, it upsets us all. I mean, it's uh, you know, it it just has to do with integrity and just being honest. That it's the easiest thing in the world to do. What is the biggest problem that your customers currently face? Well, it basically choices and you know no one likes buying tires <laughs> i mean uh, i used to work in a sporting goods store for my uncle and guy people would go in there and buy a gun or a bike or a sleeping bag no problem they come to here buy a tires or a set of tires for their wife's cars and they're mad hmm. you know upset or they don't want to spend that and in the meantime they just dropped a bunch of money on a new bike so but it's a necessity everybody has to have but most people come here because they trust us, and I'm not going to steer them wrong, and I'm going to stand behind what I sell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you come into Clarou Tire, you're going to deal with myself, my brother Louie, my son Stephen, and my wife Sandy. So, This is a family operation. This is a family operation. So there's certain customers you're never going to please, and there's certain people that are never going to do business with me. Um, but you know what? They didn't do business with me before. I take care of the guys who take care of me. Sure. Yeah, so Most of our customers are return customers they return uh, return and they have referrals and they tell people hey go see Clarou go see the, hey, these guys are good or so any small business can do the same thing sure it's sure. it's not that hard it's just but depends on what you want to do you want them to come back or you don't you want somebody to replace that guy or do you want him to come back I see, want him to come back yeah, it's easier to retain a customer than get a new one so but you also have to get new ones but uh but you know, everyone, every customer you retain, he's telling 10 other people. So that's been probably our key to success. Right. You know, as far as just word of mouth. Mm -hmm. But there again, there's some people you're not going to make happy. Try to do the best you can. You mentioned that this business was started by your uncle and that your father was also involved with it. I'm guessing back in the Depression is, is when all this got started on mm -hmm. this. And what were some of the things that they taught you two gentlemen about running a business and owning a business, and, and most importantly, the fact that your name is on the side of the business. Well, that was um, growing up, Louie and I are the youngest of six kids, and um, my dad was the youngest of eight. Mm. And, and growing up, and, and both my mom and dad, they definitely the, were children of the Depression, and my dad always told the stories how his older brothers and sisters would work, and then when they got paid, They'd give their money to their their mother, mm. and my my grandmother and father would would divvy up their checks. So, work ethic and worth was very strong to them. And so, growing up, it was the same way. It's nothing's in life's free. Mm -hmm. um, you want it, you earn it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, we grind it out and come to work every day, and always have. And but what Louie and I love our jobs. I mean. Owning a business has a lot of challenges, and there's times I I just, you know, you get frustrated and hard and tired tired of it. But at the end of the day, I couldn't be the happiest guy in the world just because of my customers, my employees, my friends. My uh, coming to work is is fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. You mm -hmm. know, we're not in the back office. We're with the customers, and, and there's people out there right now that are. Uh, and we engage with them, I mean, and it's it's fun. I we mean, have, you meet some we have real bad days. Trust me, everybody <laughs> does. But you meet some real interesting people and some really nice people, and every mm. once in a while, not a very nice, nice person. But, uh, <laughs> most, I mean, Bakersfield's a great town. 
it still has that small town feeling. Uh, Even though there's four hundred thousand people I that know, live yeah, here. Amazing, <laughs> But uh, uh, if you give, you know, start a conversation, uh, it's pretty fun. But, you know, we all grew up here, and I assume you grew up here, but, I mean, there are people that would call up and ask him, where are you at? Where, where mm. was your location? Well, I haven't heard of you. And I'd say, hey, well, you know where all the bass restaurants are? And they'd look at me and go, they'd say, well, what's a bass restaurant? <laughs> right, go, well, right. Now well, we you haven't get... been here for a while. <laughs> now we have to give directions. <laughs> now we have to give directions <laughs> how to get here. Let so. me guess. You live west of Highway 99, oh, don't yeah, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, we do. <laughs> but most of our customers are west of 99. West of 99. They're all over. I mean, yeah. You know, we've been farm tire guys for a long time, and most of our customers, we kind of geared our business around the farm business. Mm-hmm. And it's been very good to us. And our farmers that we take care of are just excellent people. And um, so that makes it easy. I mean, we've been through the ups and downs with the oil business, and you kind of find your niche. And um, there's been times where, you know, these guys go all in on the oil business. Well, when that tanks, everybody tanks. Right. So you just have to ride it out. Same with the farm business. Mm-hmm. You know, when it tanks, it tanks. So, right. But our customers have been real loyal to us. So, mm-hmm. you know, the key to success, A, be honest and and treat them right. They'll come back. Some people want service. People want to be taken care of. They ask for your opinion. Some people are just shopping price. Right. Well, price is the easiest thing to sell. Right, right, right. I can always quote a lower price. Right. But, you know, my dad always used to say, is, you know, quality is remembered when price is long forgot. Right, exactly. You know, they'll remember that you sold them a $50 tire, and they go, yeah, I bought a set of tires at Clue and paid 50 bucks, and they didn't last very long. But if I sold them an $80 tire, right. all they remember, they forgot how much they paid for it. All they remember is I got a, I got a great set of tires. I'm going to go back and get another set. Right. So you are what you sell. So what separates me from the competition Mm-hmm. Is I just don't sell price. If you want that tire, I'll get it for you. Right. But I'm going to tell you something I know down in the long run is going to make me look good, and you're going to come back right. again. Right. Now, if a guy's keeping his car for six months, go, well, we don't have to put... I don't have to put an 80,000 mile tire. Right, tire <laughs> right. exactly, but exactly. You, you know, someone will quote me on price on, oh, I can get these for that. Well, you want those? I can get them. But right. I don't live off of that because, like I was telling you, Price is the easiest thing to sell, and it doesn't right. matter what business you're in. Well, the thing about selling for price is it suddenly becomes a race to the bottom. It, right. it, it, because if I quote a guy a $50 tire and a $75 tire, you know what's stuck in his head? The $50. Right. That's all he heard. He didn't right. hear the $75 right. one. Right, right, right. The business owners that are successful long-term provide value first. Exactly. And once the customer understands value, price really doesn't matter that much. They obviously you don't want to sell them a tire an eighty dollar tire for six hundred. No. But you if you sell value, that's what customers are buying. Well, and, and that's and, what's been the key to our success and that's why you do these podcasts because those are the people that are it's no different than a restaurant, you know, if you sell bad food you're not going to be in long in business very long. Right. But on the other hand, you are what you sell. Right. Exactly. And it's an extension of you. So for me, I trust me, I sell Goodyear and I'll sell any tire in the world. I try to stick with the main brand. If there's a problem, they'll stand behind it. If you if you need to match one up, I can get one for you. Right. But you start changing brands and selling all these imported, and there's a lot of imported Chinese and you know tires from all over the world now that are, some of them are just really cheap. Right. Well, they're cheap for a reason. Right. Say, hey, to, to sell it cheaper, you got to make it cheaper. Right. And people don't understand that, but you know what? It is what it is. So I just, if you want it, I'll get it for you. 
Right. But don't hold me to it. That's you know, it's. I try to sell what I can to, to the best tire, the best best value for somebody, and that's what's that's helped. I mean, that's what kept us along, kept us going. Let's take a step back for a moment here. Is there a single piece of advice that your father or your uncle gave to you that's stuck in your mind? Just hey, about. Your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told me one time, I don't care if you can't eat. You, 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 he told me if you can't eat, you better pay your bills. Make sure you pay all your vendors and don't own anybody money. You know, you asked me earlier. The advantage of being in business for a long time is we own everything. Uh huh. I own my property. I own my building. Uh-huh. Um, I don't have to. This big rent I have to crack every month, except what I pay myself. But uh, <laughs> the. Uh, but that was if you asked me one thing that stuck to our head is basically pay your bills. My my dad was real strickler on that. It's uh, pay your vendors, pay everybody. You own, don't owe anybody any money. And I think that was that probably the biggest one. Yeah, probably because of the, and the, just being the depression and, yeah. and being a child or a product of the depression. And I think that has that all sunk into them. They you know, nothing's free, and you better earn it, and you better pay for it. And um, because back then, if you didn't didn't work, you didn't eat. Right. So, pay your bills. So that's what we do. I try to pay every my bills every thirty month, every thirty days, and whatever's left over, I, I hope to, you know some months it's kind of lean. Sure, sure. Some months it's okay, but it's uh, it's a month to month ordeal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just part of being in business. And trust I, me, my accounts receivable, right. I fight it all the time. That I look at these. <laughs> trust me, I see guys that I see in the bar or the restaurants living in high and hog, and this guy owes me money. Right. And there's nothing more frustrating to see that. I see him at the country club or see him out there, and it's like, you know, that guy owes me money, that guy owes me money, that guy owes me money, but they're, you never know it. Right, right. So I don't work that way. In the development and growth of your business over the years, are there any kinds of books that, or business books that have been very influential in your life that have helped you with your business? Uh, business books... Mostly the books that I read primarily have to do with more of just history. Mm. On and um, and I look and I read these blogs and I and I read a lot of articles of different stuff on business and um. But I like the history part of it. See how other guys did things and and why they became successful. Mm. Like who? Well, it's just I, I just I I I look at today's environment. And I look at these kids, and I and I, it frustrates me sometimes. And even some of my employees, and I and it's just in today's world. You talk about what's different today than what it was when I first started, or when my dad first started. But I would look at, I'd see a, a customer would come in here, and he might be a, having a nice Mercedes or this and that. And one of my guys might reply, "Hey, man, he he got money, right?" And it's like, well, he's got money because he's a doctor, right. or he's an attorney, right? Or he's he's a successful businessman, and I used to look back at my dad's friends. Well, what made them successful? How did they get to where they got? Mm-hmm. Some of them kind of shady, some of them very honest. But over the years, I've just kind of figured. But but the, the youth today now looks at that stuff, and it's like, well, he's not a basketball player, and he's not a rap singer, but but that guy's got money, and almost like demeaning. And it's like, no, it's not demeaning. He's he's really worked really hard to get to where he's got. Right. So don't. You try to emulate that guy, right? To see what he did, but I think that's the problem I have with millennials and today's any business. But if you're going to start a small business, you know, 
it's a journey. It's I mean, a journey. It's a, yeah, there's ups and downs. So, as far as any books or anything like that, I mean, I, I just read a lot of history books, but primarily on the war. But uh, mm-hmm. I look at the sacrifices those guys made mm-hmm. for our country. And my father was a colonel in the Marine Corps, and, and he went through World War II. And I read some of the stuff that he went through, and it's like, oh my God, how'd you survive? And you know, he never really talked too much about it, but we'd ask him questions, and he'd tell me, and it's like. Just didn't take it. You took it for granted until all of a sudden you start talking to these guys and sure. you start reading some of the history about what happened and what these guys did. So we just kind of carry that mantra behind me that's like, I'm nothing compared to what those guys were. Right. So I'm going to do kind of get as close as I can to what those guys did. I mean, I, I wasn't in the military. I wasn't. But the sacrifices those guys made, in, or anybody, it's uh, you have to learn from that, and, and you have to. You just can't take it for granted. There's a reason why those guys did what they did, and whether you're a kid in the military today or, or 25 years ago or Vietnam or Korea, that was, those are good life lessons. And, sure. and they were kids. And, and so I'm lucky. I'm the luckiest guy in yeah. the world. Both Louie and I are. It's like, hey, I always tell my dad did my fighting for me. Right, right. Well, <laughs> one of the things that I've, I've commented on before is I happened to turn 18 just after the first Gulf War came to a close. And I debated whether or not getting in the military myself. And my dad, who was in Vietnam, made a very important point that I continue to reiterate is that I have, and you two also have, the privilege of having the choice of whether or not to join the military. Exactly, definitely. And it's because of the sacrifices that our predecessors have made. And if you want to today, you can join the military and have all the risk and benefits that go with it, but you also have a choice of whether or not to. Exactly. But but those choices are there because of the sacrifices those right. guys made. Right. Now, right. we look back at, you know, how did that inflect my business sense? Or, well, it has a lot to do with our business sense just because I'll complain or whine about something or, you know, say, I'm having a bad day. Really? I read those stories and I read what those guys went through. Those were bad days. Sure. Yeah. We were lucky. Um, and one of the things I, I also like to bring up is, and I, I hear this quite often about the millennial generation, and if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to a Karina Carrillo Claxton's episode with us, she's a millennial who has a very successful um, business on her own called House of Beauty. And I've also run into quite a few other uh, millennial small business owners and they don't quite have the 70 year track record right. yet but <laughs> well, they not that old <laughs> but they had the the situation where they saw their older siblings go into huge debt for college they could never pay for it that had to move back home again that have had all these extra responsibilities and financial pressures put on them that have chosen instead to open up their own business and give a go of it and not worrying about say you know what i'm not going to go to college because i don't want the student loan debt that my siblings have i don't want to move back in with my parents i'm going to go ahead and take a risk on my own and that's one of the things i'm finding very encouraging is that there's a growing demographic of those millennials that are Coming through. Yes, you do still have a fair amount of the cliche. I totally understand that, but there's a growing number of millennials, and so the future's not dead yet. Well, no, no definitely. They, I mean, we get our customer base, so quite a few millennials, and I mean, they're hardworking kids. And Well, the key is the word you said was risk. Right. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a millennial, an old guy, young guy, liberal, conservative, 
you know, you've got to have that that drive or whatever, that instinct if you, in, to be successful with anything. And you're going to fail. Is you got to take a risk. Not everything's handed to you. Not everything's easy. Not everything, you know, you've got to have that drive. So you you are going to take a risk, um, and you are going to fail. Uh, hopefully, you'll be successful. Listen, Louie and I've been in business for we've been doing this for over forty years. We've made mistakes. Uh, we've weathered them out. Mm-hmm. I made decisions, but you know, you know the biggest problem I see today, and I, and I I see it all the time, is you just got to pull the trigger. Gotta go for it. Some of these guys, yeah. they'll they'll come up to make a decision, and and I pulled the trigger sometimes and shot myself right between the eyes. I mean, <laughs> but all right, I made a bad decision. I I, I got to move on. I got to work out. I shouldn't have done that, or we need to do something different this time. But that's the only way I'm going to learn. And so make a decision, stand by it. Um, whether you're disciplining your kids, whether you're disciplining an employee, whether you're uh, make a decision, stand by it. And if you made a mistake, you move on. It's not the end of the world. So, you know, having a, my family and, and uh, my aunts and uncles and just the legacy that Louie and I came from, from our family, it's, uh, I got I, I got to make myself proud and I got to take care of my name and, because uh, my name's on the building. Right. And, uh, but it's also in the community and, and it's, I tell my kids all the time, you know, don't shame us. Don't you know? My dad did the same thing to me, and I you know I saw what those guys did. I'm not. I don't want to shame my parents or my family. I don't want to shame my kids. I don't want to. So just go to work, and you know I can sleep at night, and and just that all has to do is just having a moral compass and thinking about what you're doing. So right, sure, sure. Some people don't have that compass, and they don't understand. Business owners sometimes get the tendency of overworking themselves and getting buried far too far into the business that their personal lives begin to suffer for it. What have the two of you learned over the years to say no to that allows you to get your moral compass, get your get your mental fatigue, bring it bring down your mental fatigue and that well, sort of thing? Louie has one daughter. She's in college right now. Mike I have three kids, three sons and um my family's been really important to me and, and um my kids and my grandchildren, children, and um, but you're right. You always, you know, you get your head to the grindstone and you keep working all the time. And my biggest fear was to work all my life and and, and die broke. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that because I was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. So, no, you have to. You have time. time. George goes duck hunting. That's his. Little That's hobby. my little release. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so and my daughter plays water polo for Cal Lutheran. So the season's starting up. So weekends because we work six days. We trade away. off. We just trade off. I mean, there's and we work. You know, we work every day, and then we'll take days off. And then I, my son's involved. In my, my middle son, Stephen, and uh, who's been a godsend. Um, he uh, he helps us a lot. So I mean, I that and my wife. I mean, listen, my wife works here. I work here, my son works here, my brother works here. So my wife and I are really tied down here. So if I want to take a vacation, it's in between payrolls. It's in between the, <laughs> right. you know, the paying the bills. So I got to just manage my time. But uh, you still have to have time off. We still get time off. We still do our things that we need to do. Because you just can't. You, I, my head would blow up if I stayed here all day long. I got to get out of here sometimes. It's just, sure, sure. You know. are, you part of, are you a member of Ducks Unlimited? Yes, I am. So, um, no, Ducks Island has been a lot of fun. I used to do it when I was a kid. My dad used to take us out to a club and 
I kind of grew up doing that. My brother and I, my other brother, who used to be my partner here years ago, we bought him out. He moved away. He lives in Paso Robles now, but he got back into this club. and and. But then I was, I married, had three kids, and I was sending them to, they all went to Garces, and I, and I paid for all their education. I worked my butt off just, to, I didn't want my kids to be stuck in student loans. Right. So God gave me three children for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I made the best effort I could. To, and I, a lot of sacrifices. I got Parent PLUS loans. I I got them through school. And uh, so now they're all married. Got wonderful daughter-in-laws, beautiful daughter-in-laws. And I've got seven beautiful grandchildren. And I look back at it. It was the best thing I ever did. The best money I ever spent. And um, so that now that my kids are older, I, I got time to get away. And I joined this duck club. And I go duck hunting. And I, and I love it. And I... It's a good release for me, and but I, I go to work. I go hunting on a Saturday morning, and I'm back to work by ten. Mm-hmm. You know, this year wasn't a very good season. I didn't kill very many ducks. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Louie? Well, I can't hit a broadside of the barn with a gun. I'm, I grew up doing it, but uh, uh, like right now, my daughter plays water polo, and uh, they have like games on Wednesday afternoons and and Saturdays. So I'll I'll leave here at two and. Uh, it's a two-hour drive, watch the game, take her out to dinner, and I'd be home by 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good we release. Enjoy it, it gets you out of there and just out of the grind. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things I've picked up on is that one of the values of or the benefits of owning a small business, especially one that's doing well like yours is, is you have the choice. You have the option. So if you wanted to go ahead and go duck hunting in the middle of the week, you would have right. the ability to do so because you could have your brother take over or if you wanted to, you know, take the mini family excursion and, and go someplace. Definitely. That definitely has a – those are probably the pros are part of right. it. Uh, but, but then on the other hand, the con part, you're taking it home with you every night too. So, right. Sure. But, sure. I mean, it's – like I said, Louie and I both love our jobs, but, and uh, we've been very blessed. I mean, how often – I didn't have to go into this. I could have done something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, I didn't want to do this. I don't want to work for my dad. I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> but what I wanted and what happened are two different things. And uh, God and uh, circumstances just changed my course of life. And you know what? They were right. I mean, uh, my dad knew what he, he looked at me and told me what I was going to do. And this is what you need to do. And I did, you know, I, just like any father, son, you butt heads there for a while. But end up working out. God, that guy was right the whole time. Sure, yeah, you know. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's the old. I'm, paras- I'm paraphrasing this, of course, but I believe it was Mark Twain who said, "I used to think my father was an idiot, and then when I became older and had children, I was amazed on how much the old yeah, man had exactly. learned." <laughs> and it's true. I mean, I'm a living example of that. So it's like, we all are. It's fun, but I, I've been lucky. I, I had a great mother and. I have great brothers and sisters, and uh, I just and we been, we got to work with our father too, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, it turned out to be my best friend. You know, every day we're talking to him, and when he passed away in '03, it was it was hard. I mean, um, we just didn't have that back because we would always, hey, Dad, what do we should do in a situation right, like that? Right. And then all of a sudden he's gone, and we're gone. Hey, we had to actually yeah. <laughs> wait for yourself. <laughs> you know, I had my brother was our other partner, and he. We had to buy him out about six months before my dad died. He wanted out. So we bought him out. And then our secretary and, and service manager who worked here for years, they both retired. Mm-hmm. And 
And then my dad was dying. He, he was sick. And then he ended up, he passed away. And it's like, holy, I'm just thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? Um, I don't have, I, I mean, I was doing everything. I was doing the payroll. I was doing all the secretary work, all the book work, you know, selling tires. And my sons were all going to school and lose to Louis. And I was like, so if I can't trust my wife, I can't trust anybody. And I had to pay somebody. So I hired, you want to work for me, honey? Because she was working for her brother. And uh, so she left and went to work for me. And I taught her all the books. She, she does everything now. She's smarter than I am, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, but it was one of those situations that my kids were going to high school, Garces, and my older son was going away to college. And my dad died. My brother quit. bought him out. Um, I, sec- I hear my long-term secretary and service manager quit. It was just everything came down at one time. And it's like I could have quit. I could have laid it over. I could have just closed everything up and said we're done. But no, I, Louie and I do. We just kind of grinded out. We just yeah. buckled up and said, you know what, we're going to make this work. And because um, it's easy when you have your your father or your mentor or whatever who's there, you can always fall back on. But that was all gone now, and um, so we just buckled up and said, we're going to make this. It, it's our turn now, and um, worked out. So and Clarus Tire is still here, still, and still here, in business. Really? Yeah. So it's just you're going to have adversity. You just got to decide whether how you want to handle it or not yeah quitting is the easiest thing to do it's getting up and and pressing pressing the dust off you quit once you're going to quit again right so just i always told my kids that when you start something you finish it because if you quit this somewhere down the line it's going to get harder it's going to get harder you're going to run into something that's hard and you're going to say well you know what i did that so i can do this so i'm going to work and then they work through it and they're all glad they did it but so those are just life lessons well, gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been a fantastic episode, and we have learned a lot of different great things on this. And I want to thank you, gentlemen, both for being on the podcast. Well, I thank you. That yeah, thank wonderful. you. And just so that our listeners can who don't know about Clarou Tire, uh, where are you guys located at? We're at 530 East 21st Street. We're on the corner of East 21st and Kern, one block west of Baker, five blocks east of Union, right in the middle of all the bass restaurants, where the Pyrenees is right across the street. Woolgrowers is right behind us, and Noriega's is right next to us. So then you got Luigi's down the street. I mean, Pyrenees Bakery. Old Town Kern's where it's at, let me tell you. And if they want to actually talk to you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, our phone number is 324-6069. And there again. It's either going to be George it's or I It's either going to be Louie and I or, <laughs> or my wife or Stephen, so... You're going to talk to one, Clarou. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, gentlemen, thank you again very much for being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast and imparting some wonderful advice to our listeners. Thank you. Well, Well, thank thank you you very very much. much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? 
Become a Visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.